Good morning, class. Good morning, Brother Keith. Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and we welcome you to Faith School. Faith School's the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Though you may not have seen how, there is a way to overcome. No matter what you've been facing, no matter what you've been dealing with, there is a way out. The Bible said that God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tested, tried above what you're able, but always He will provide a way of escape, a way out. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say, there's a way out. There is a way out, a way through, a way over. There's a way and it begins by simply believing that there's a way out. Get your Bible, get something to make a note with, and let's find out about the way out. Lord, we thank you so much that nothing's too hard from you. Nothing's hidden from you. Uh, you're not confused. No matter how confused we have been, you know and you see and you'll show us when we reach out to you and look to you. And so we're doing that today. We're asking for direction, guidance, help, asking for utterance and ability to hear and know. And we'll give you the praise and thanks for the deliverance, for the healing, for the needs being met, for the victories. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Lord. Look, please, again in our text in Hebrews, the third chapter. We've been talking about overcoming unbelief. And we've taken one by one, beginning at the, uh, at the Red Sea, and then number 10 was at Kadesh Barnea. Now we're into number 11, what happened with Korah's rebellion. We're taking one by one these major events where the, the Israelites that God delivered out of Egyptian bondage failed to believe him, failed to trust him. And the reason we're doing it is because the New Testament tells us to. It, it exhorts us to look at what happened and not let it happen to us. So it must, there must be a danger of this happening in every following generation. Because, you know, uh, the calendar changes, technologies change, you know, Customs may change, but the big things never change. Of course, God doesn't change. Faith doesn't change. Fear doesn't change. These, these spiritual forces that have been around from the very beginning, they don't change with the next generation. They work exactly the same. And so he's warning us in chapter 3 of Hebrews. He says, today if you will hear his voice, verse 7, verse 8, don't harden your heart. Verse 10, he said, they always erred in their heart and they have not known my ways. Verse 12, take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you 
an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Verse 15, while it is called today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. And verse 19 goes on to talk about how they couldn't enter in. They couldn't get into the rest. They couldn't get into the Canaan's promised land that flowed with milk and honey. Not because of the giants, not because of the walled cities, but because of their own unbelief. Unbelief robbed them of the plan of God and the benefits and blessings of God. Can unbelief still rob people today? Obviously. That's why he's warning us, don't let that happen to you. Don't let unbelief rob you like it robbed them. Well, what if we don't even know what happened to them? What if we don't understand even what unbelief is? Well, you're at a big disadvantage then. Of e- because you're going to have to recognize and identify something's wrong before you deal with it and resist it and say, no, I'm not doing that. And so that's why we're taking weeks and weeks here, <laughs> camping on this. How many think it's worth our time? Yes. To learn about this so that we are not ignorant of the enemy's devices and we recognize this evil stuff called unbelief. Go back to number 16 again. Number 16. And let's look at, we're looking at this 11th event that we're calling Korah's Rebellion. What happened in verse 1, chapter 16 of Numbers? Korah, Dathan, Abiram, uh, they took uh, men, and verse 2, 250 princes in the assembly, famous uh, in the congregation, men of renown. Verse 3, they gathered themselves together against Moses, against Aaron, and they said to them, you take too much on you, or on yourself. You take too much for yourself. Seeing all the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord's among them. Why then do you lift up yourselves above the congregation of the Lord? And Moses heard it and fell on his face. Now, the reason we study these things and the reason they are recorded for posterity in the Scripture is because, like we said, the big things and the spiritual things, they never change. The enemy tries to do the same thing with the next generation and the next generation. Have you ever heard talk like this? All of us are equal. All of us know the Lord. All of us have the Spirit. Why do you think you could be in charge? What they're saying is, there is no special. There is no special call, special anointing, God's choice. God could use any of us. And that's why when Moses fell on his face, he got up and he said, okay. You, Korah, Dathan, Abiram, on." All you 250 princes, go get you censers and put fire in it and put the holy incense. Now, even saying that, everybody in the congregation knew nobody touches the holy censers and holy anointing and holy incense except the priests, Aaron. Aaron's sons 
Nadab and Abihu offered unauthorized fire before the Lord and they were disintegrated. Everybody saw it. Everybody knew it. And so just saying that, everybody in the crowd should have known, uh-uh, don't do that. Don't do that. But what he's saying, okay, if nobody's special, nobody has any special call or anointing, if anybody can do it, do it. Go get you a censer, and tomorrow you show up, and all of you can offer, and Aaron's going to be here too, and all of us, all of you will offer up your incense, and God will show who he has selected and who he has called close to him. Now, see, that same kind of thing goes on today. People say, well, you know, we're all, all holy, and there's a truth there that uh, the blood of Jesus has made us holy. But what they're saying is there is no special. We talked about this in um, reading in 1 Corinthians. In fact, turn back there and look again. For, hold your place in Numbers. But in 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, he said, verse 27, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has set some. Everybody say some. Some, some is different from all. Right? Yeah. Say it out loud. Some, some. Is, not is not all. God has set some in the church. First, apostles. Secondarily, prophets. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles and gifts of healings. That would describe the evangelist's ministry. Helps governments. That would describe the pastoral offices. Diversities of tongues. That's a ministry. Then verse 29, are all apostles. Help me out, class. What's the answer to this? No. Is everybody Moses? No. Is everybody Aaron? Should that be obvious? Huh? How many did God speak to out of a burning bush, you know? Now, does that make Moses perfect? Flawless? No. He's a human being. We see the Bible didn't hide it when he messed up. It records his mistakes, just like it did other people's. But even though we may not be able to fully appreciate and respect everything a person uh, and spiritual authority says or does, we must respect the place, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. We must respect God's choice or elsewise we disrespect God. Now, why are we talking about this? Because the Bible calls that disrespect unbelief. And if they had had respect for God, they would never have tried to overthrow Moses and Aaron, you know, David had insight into this. God chose uh, and pointed out Saul to be king over God's people when they demanded a king. Well, Saul then got too big for his britches, so to speak, and wouldn't listen to God. And uh, David was anointed king to replace him. 
And Saul heard of David's just a young guy, and Saul heard about it and wanted to kill him. And so David had to run for his life. He was a fugitive for years. And more than one opportunity, and one occasion, while they were running from Saul and Saul's soldiers, they saw Saul go into a cave and he wasn't attended by everybody and they had access to him. And David's men said, hit, just, just hit him one time and our problems are over. And what did David say? No, I will, my hand will not touch God's anointed. Now hold on. God's anointed? This man has demon problems. Is that right? I mean, he gets mad and goes into a rage and throws javelins at innocent people. God's anointed? <laughs> Do we need to differentiate between even the ungodly actions of men and women and the fact that God chose somebody and anointed them to do a job. Can you respect that while knowing that all of this is not right? Can we have enough discernment to know that? And yet David said, his time will come. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. God will deal with him. He'll fall in battle or something, but it won't be me. It won't be by my hand because I will not touch God's anointing. Should we have it? See, that takes faith, doesn't it? Yes. Doesn't that take faith? Because, see, his men are pushing him. We're tired of running for our life all the time. We're tired of being fugitives. We want to go home, kill this evil guy, and let's be done with it. He said, uh-uh, no, no. And he wouldn't let them touch him either. He said, no, no. I'm going to paraphrase again. God appointed him. God can deal with him. Is that right? But not me. I'm not going to touch him. Why? Because God chose him. Uh, Samuel, he told Samuel to anoint him with the holy anointing oil. He's been anointed of God. And you, you must respect that or elsewise you will yield to the enemy and be as rebellious as he is. And how did the devil ever get to the place where he actually rose up against God. He had to get to the place where he no longer respected. Is that right? He no longer reverenced. He no longer respected. And that's what got him cast down and kicked out. And that's why he has no, he cannot be saved. He cannot be restored. The only ones that will be with God forever, the only ones that will fellowship with him in his holy places throughout eternity are the ones that reverence him, the ones that respect him, the ones that want to fall down in front of him. Is that right? And worship him and adore him and give him praise and thanks. Those who despise him won't be with him. Those that reject him, they won't be saved. They won't be in heaven. They won't move forward. They won't have a part in the kingdom of God. Everybody say respect. Respect. Faith. Respects. Hallelujah. And see, by contrast, we can see unbelief does not. Unbelief disdains. Unbelief despises. Unbelief 
disrespects. Numbers 14, when they got to that place after the seeing the spies at, at Kadesh Barnea, and they, uh, they, they ready to stone Caleb and Joshua, listen to what it says in Numbers 14, 11. This is where the Lord, they had provoked him with their unbelief and disrespect. He said, I'm reading the complete Jewish translation. The Lord said to Moses, verse 11, Numbers 14, How much longer is this people going to treat me with contempt? ASV version says, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe me? Uh, the Living Bible says, when the people, uh, the response of the people was talk of stoning them, talking about Joshua and Caleb, and the glory of the Lord appeared. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people despise me? This is the Living Bible. Will they never believe me, even after all the miracles I have done among them? Did you hear the word despise? And he uses that same word, the psalmist in Psalm uh, 106 and Psalm 78 and other places talks about how they despised his good land. They despised the promised land. They said, it's, it's not a land that flows with milk and honey. Oh yeah, the fruit's nice and everything, but it's a land where you will die. It's a land where you, they will step on you like a grasshopper. And it's a land where you and your, your family will be wiped out. They despised and called evil what God called good. Come on, can you see this? Yes. And uh, it, it comes back to this. Why did God choose Moses and Aaron to lead the people instead of two of the other two million? Why were they one in a million? What did God see in them? That he chose them. You can see what he saw. By how they listened to him. How they obeyed him. How they followed. Can't, can't you see it? Yes. You can see it. In how they respected him. You know there's a phrase. That to me is just stand out. If you read through Exodus. And Leviticus. And Numbers. And Deuteronomy. It'll say. And the Lord commanded Moses. And then it'll say, when it gets through saying what he said, and as the Lord commanded Moses, so did Moses. <laughs> huh? Just that phrase, the Lord commanded Moses. Then what happened next? The Moses did exactly what the Lord commanded him, exactly the way he told him to do it. Do you wonder why God picked Moses? Right? And why would he do that? Because he respects God. He reveres him. He respects what he says. Go with me to uh, Malachi, if you would. This, this to me is a, such an answer to things. Malachi, the second chapter. That's what this whole thing is. That's why the Lord told Moses to deal with this rebellion the way he did. They're saying, anybody can do this. Why do you think you're so special? Are people saying the same thing kind of thing today? Anybody can be a pastor. Huh? Sure. You know, what do you need to be a pastor? You know, get you a Bible, say some things. <laughs> Anybody can be an apostle. Really? 
Anybody can be a prophet. You know, just start prophesying. Anybody. Is it true? Class, y'all, this is a bad time to get quiet. Uh, We just got through reading in the New Testament. God has set some. Well, that's different from all, right? Some in the church. First apostles. Why use the terms like first, second, third? That sounds like rank. Is there a difference of place? Yeah, God loves us all the same. Yeah, we're all equally saved. Yeah, we're all equally clean by the blood. Yes. Does that mean we all have the same place of ministry and call in the body? No. No. It does not mean that. And when he says, then, then when he, after he says God has set some, and then first, second, third, then he says, are all apostles? What's the answer to the question, class? No. No, should everybody, anybody just pop up and say, you know, I'm an apostle now. How you doing? Well, I got this shiny new name tag. Uh, <laughs> like my father in the faith, uh, Kenneth Hagin Sr. said, he said, you know, putting a nice color label on a can doesn't put anything in the can, in the empty can. <laughs> Would you rather have something in the can and no label than a fancy label and an empty can? Yeah, yeah. This is not just an Old Testament story. These are living truths, real issues that every generation is going to experience and deal with throughout, you know, the existence of the earth. And people are still doing this today. You will find, I I had somebody trying to convince me recently, you know, that they didn't need a pastor. They didn't need a lead in the church. They're just all going to do it equally. You know, that that doesn't work. People do it. They try it. it. It's a group. It's a club. I'm not saying that something good couldn't come out of it. But don't call it a real church. Are y'all with me? Why? Because a real church is just like a real family. Hmm? You got somebody in charge, somebody leading. What qualifies them to lead? Not their superior intellect, not their superior education, not their flawless record. What would, what would qualify somebody to lead? A call. Is that right? A real call of God. Now, that's not something that the man or woman did. A real call of God and a real anointing. Is that right? An anointing is real. If you have any spirituality about you, you can tell the difference between somebody anointed and somebody not anointed. Can't you? Non-anointed is dull and flat. Right? And boring. Huh? Anointed has got life in it. Is that right? Anointing is quickening. And what? A man or woman cannot produce that. You can't call yourself. You can't anoint yourself. You can't grace yourself. And when you see that anointing and you see that call and you see God confirm his word, is that something that should be respected? Yes. Yes. Not to make too big a deal out of the flesh, but to make a big deal out of God's choice, out of God's call and realize if God chose them, He must have a reason. And even if they don't look like somebody you would call, you ain't God. 
right? <laughs> There's things you don't know. You see the outside, God sees the inside. In Malachi 2, we're told why God chose uh, Levi. He chose Aaron to be high priest and his descendants to be priests. And he chose Levi to be the helps ministry to handle the holy things. In Malachi 2 and 4, he said, You shall know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my covenant might be with Levi, said the Lord of hosts. My covenant was with him of life and peace. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. Why did God choose Levi and his descendants to handle the holy things instead of one of the other tribes, one of the other so many he had to pick from? Why them? Because of the reverence. Hmm? Can you see this? Because of how much Levi had the fear of God and reverenced God and how he saw God's things as so special and so valuable, that it was, it was in God's eyes qualified him for God to say, I choose you. Hallelujah. You will handle my holy offerings. You will handle the the set up and tear down and hauling and transporting of all of my tabernacle and my things. What qualified him? Wasn't his education, wasn't his looks, right? Wasn't his perfect record. It was that when when Levi saw the things he've got, he, he went, Oh, that's amazing. Oh, that's holy. We should treat this special. This is important. Did everybody feel that way? Obviously not. Korah and his bunch decided later on Anybody could do anything. Said out loud, I respect. I, respect. I, reverence, I reverence the things of God. The things of God. I, choose I choose the fear of God. Fear of God. And, Lord, your help, and Lord, with your help, I will show respect. Will show Praise God. Our time's up again today. How many think this is important? Is this life changing? It is. Well, that's all our time for today. Come back next time. We'll see even more here in Faith School. Sure enjoyed being with you again this week here in Faith School. You can sense these, these, some of these things are, are weighty when you're talking about the honor of God. You're talking about the glory of God. And the Lord had said, those that honor me, I will honor. You know, Proverbs talks about honoring the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. And that's how your barns will be filled with plenty. I know a number of you are partners with us and you believe in us and you pray for us and you sow seed into the ministry. Well, that's because you value it. You honor it. And the Lord said, when you honor his things, he's going to show honor. And that honor includes his favor and his blessing. Lord, I speak over all of our partners and all that have shown honor to you in these things. You said you would honor them because they honored you. I, we expect it with them. I'm speaking increase and favor and blessing over their businesses and their jobs and their investments and their things. Thank you, Lord. Get glory to yourself. 
in their finances, in all of their things, in Jesus' name. Praise God. I'm believing that with you. I'm expecting it. We love you. We thank God for you. We'll see you again soon back in Faith School. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.